Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, and welcome to Therapy Get You Some, where we talk about all things therapy, normalize mental health, and promote healing for black people. I'm your host, Candy Serapro, a licensed clinical social worker and black therapist. Through conversations and revealing insider secrets, we hope to demystify therapy so that you feel comfortable going to get you some. It's still August, and we're still talking about kids in schools. This week's podcast episode is based on a longer presentation that I gave to a school regarding mental health in schools for teachers. So uh, I think it's important, you know, for all educators, anybody working in schools to really understand mental health in schools. But it's also important for parents or anybody who comes in contact with school-aged children and school age is really from the age of two to the age of 18 plus. Understanding what mental health looks like for children, understanding just some basic information about mental health for kids, especially as it relates to school. So that's kind of what we're gonna be talking about today. The first thing is um, I want everyone to walk away understanding that mental health is health. We need to stop separating them, stop making them two different things or two distinct categories as if they're not connected. There is no health if you're not mentally healthy. And so when we start to check, you know, back to school, we always do physicals, especially for sports. There's lots of sports physicals. There's hearing checks. There's vision checks. I want us to start including mental health checks in there, making sure our children are mentally healthy, mentally well. So one of the the hopes of this podcast is to improve everyone's mental health literacy. What does it mean to be mentally health literate? To be mentally health literate means that you understand and have basic knowledge about mental health conditions. You understand and have basic knowledge about mental health treatment that you reduce stigma uh, regarding mental health by normalizing the fact that people have mental health issues, that you um, understand how to help people seek help and ask for help correctly. Uh, So that's basically what mental health literacy is. And hopefully by the end of this, we will be more mentally mentally health literate about children. So, and understand when a child has mental health issues, the first thing you have to understand is when a child is mentally healthy, what does that look like? I like to consider mental health on a spectrum, meaning that we start off with um, a person being completely mentally healthy, and it transitions to a person being mentally ill. And most of us, depending on the day, are gonna fall somewhere within that spectrum. So at what point do we cross over from being mentally healthy to mentally well? It's gonna be very dependent on the person, um, but there are some very, um, there's some symptoms and things that I can give you to help you understand. But first let's start off, what does mentally healthy look like? 
So mentally healthy children have reached all of the developmental milestones on time. They reach their emotional milestones on time. Uh, they have healthy social skills, so meaning they get along with their peers as we would expect. They have you know, basic communication skills based on their age level that we would expect. They know how to cope with and solve their problems. So they have problem solving skills. They also have coping skills. They have a positive quality of life. They have a positive outlook on life and they function well at home, school and in the community. So if your child is, if you can say check, yes, my child has reached all their milestones. Check, yes, they are, have good social skills. They know how to cope with life's problems. They know how to solve problems. They have a good outlook on life. They would report a good quality of life and they function well in all these situations homeschool in the community, then your child is mentally well. And that's what we want all our children to be, but we also have to be aware that not all children are mentally well. Um, stress is a very common thing. Stress is not a mental health condition. Stress is something that we all experience and how we deal with stress is gonna push us, you know, when we're experiencing stress, obviously we're not gonna be on the end of the spectrum of completely mentally well. We're gonna edge toward the probably closer to the middle, um, but not cross the line to where we have mental illness. But stress is very common. But mental illness or mental health conditions are also equally common. It's estimated more than 20% of children have some type of diagnosable mental health condition. And so I'm gonna read the statistics because I don't memorize this stuff. So about 10% of children, like 9.8% have ADHD, 9.6% experience anxiety disorder, uh, I think it's 8.5% have behavioral disorders, which are like oppositional defiant disorder, conduct disorder. And then uh, a lower, lower number, about 2% have um, mood disorders like depression. But still, that's a significant amount. So when you add it all up, it's 20 million children in America who have a diagnosed mental health condition. Now, we also know there are a lot of children who are not getting treatment, so they don't have a diagnosed mental health condition. What they have is a diagnosable mental health condition, meaning that if they were brought to a mental health clinician, they would receive a diagnosis. They don't have a diagnosis because they were not brought to the mental health uh, clinician. So one in six children between the ages of two and eight, that's the very early childhood. That's what we call our babies. One in six children have a mental health disorder, meaning they have some type of mental health condition that if they were brought for treatment, they would receive a mental health diagnosis. The younger children tend to have behavioral disorders and ADHD. The older children, meaning like the late adolescents, tend to have more mood disorders, such as depression. And anxiety kind of runs the gamut, um, but anxiety is a very, very broad disorder. So when we say anxiety disorders, we're talking about social anxiety disorder, separation anxiety disorder, generalized anxiety disorder, specific phobias. So there's so many different types of anxiety disorders. But so when I give you that number, I'm talking about all of them together. The younger kids tend to have more separation anxiety, and then the older kids tend to have more generalized anxiety as well as social anxiety. And social phobias also runs the gamut. It's not specific to one age group. We also include substance abuse and being mentally well. So children who are experimenting with substances are not what we would consider mentally well. Um, there is a difference between experimentation and being having substance abuse disorder. Uh, but we want to, you know, 
address our kids early and often with things like this. So even if they're just experimenting, if they are mentioning that they did this stuff one time, that's too much for kids. And the age of substance use, um, first in engagement with substances is dropping. So it's getting younger. So at one point, you know, I've been doing this a long time. At one point in my career, I wouldn't even scream for use of substances if you were under 15, because that was so uncommon for younger kids to have access, one, to substances, and two, desire. Like they didn't have necessarily um, the social circle that would participate in things like that. Now I'm having lots, and when I say lots, to me, in a small private practice, having three or more is a lot when you have a, you know, a small panel. But I've had three or more children under the, like between eight and 10, who have experimented with marijuana. To me, that's a lot. And so now I have started my screening much earlier as far as let me see if you have knowledge because before they try it there's a lot of information that they get you know like they're hanging with older kids um they have access sometimes they're just interested in it and they have knowledge they'll be able to tell me things about substances and i'm able to do prevention before they start experimentation prevention is key and that's the whole reason we do all of this because if i can prevent by having this information or giving disseminating this information to people who are not who don't consider themselves mental health clinicians, uh, that's gonna be the, the key for helping our children. So hopefully all of us, like I said, if you are working with children who are school age, if you're a clinician uh, who work with children, families who have school age children, if you work in the school system, if you know any school age children, I think what I did is I basically said everybody needs to have some basic mental health literacy. And that was the point. The point was just to say, everybody needs to have mental health literacy so that we can all make sure our children are well. Because as a society, it's important for us to have the next generation be well. And so that's why I do all of this, right? So basic knowledge, like I gave you the couple of diagnoses, depression and mood disorders. In children, it's not gonna look the same as it looks in adults. So in adults, you, you know, you're thinking, crying spells and you're maybe thinking you know lack of motivation hard time getting up and going to work or maybe a decline in hygiene all of those things that are adults kids you won't see a decline in hygiene because adults are responsible for their hygiene so even if they don't want to participate in hygiene we're going to make them so um even if they don't want to go to school we're going to make them because that's what a, you know good parenting is about so you won't see those things in a child that you're looking for an adult. You know, they're not going to be able to stay in bed all day. They don't have that luxury. So for children, what you're going to notice is they're bored. They're, they're not participating in sports like they used to. A decline in school grades. They may be more fidgety or anxious. They may be getting in more trouble than they used to. You're going to notice things that are behavioral much more, um, and especially in the school setting. The thing, the number one thing I want you to take away is that all of the mental health disorders, behavior, I mean, ADHD, behavior disorders, um, anxiety, and mood disorders like depression, all changes a child's ability to focus, ability to concentrate, ability to sustain their attention to a task, and their ability to sit still in a classroom. So as a teacher, as a person who works with children, Unless you're a mental health clinician, you don't have to know the diagnosis. We, in fact, I wish you would not try to diagnose a child. Don't tell a parent, I think your child may have ADHD. 
Tell them exactly what you see. I noticed your child is not paying attention in my class, even when I give them redirection, even when I give them cues. Tell them that your child has a hard time sitting still and allow the mental health clinician to help with the diagnosis. That is not your, your job, and I don't want you to put more on your plate. You have a hard enough job already uh, educating our children. My hat goes off to you. I appreciate you so much. So I want to take this from you. You don't have to know the medication that a child is on. You don't have to like be an expert or a pharmacist, you know, no psychopharmacology as an educator. Your job really is to pay attention to the children, educate them, and anything that gets in the way of their education to alert a parent. Parents, you know, you don't have to raise the red flag. So a red flag would be, you know, the child is mentioned in self-harm, the child is um, completely withdrawn, distraught, something that, you know, you're not, you don't have to question, this is a serious problem, this is a crisis. Yes, of course, raise a red flag. But you can mention things as a parent, like, hey, I noticed at PE, your child doesn't participate um, consistently. And they used to before, they used to love PE. And now they just kind of want to sit on the side. Or when we're at recess, they don't play. They want to ask, they ask, can they come in and help me in the classroom? I have no problem with them coming and help me in the classroom. But I just wanted to bring that up to you to know that, you know, to see, do you notice any changes in their behavior? Have it more of a conversation. The more we as adults can communicate about our children, have open conversations, one that reduces the stigma, two that normalizes that, yes, children have mental health problems, just like we do as adults. And um, it also helps the child know that it's okay to talk, right? So it, it opens up the lines like, hey, I was talking to your teacher today. They noticed that you aren't playing at PE. What's going on? Simple as that. It leaves everything open. So, I, and I'll share this story that I, um, I was talking to a child the other day. Um, and they were saying, I was saying, you know, like, what is the thing that's stressing you? And they said, let me see if I can help you understand, Miss Candice. Um, have you ever had a bill you couldn't pay? Uh, it's like, okay. They said, that's how did you feel? They said, that's exactly how I felt when I didn't know that answer on the test. I was like, oh, okay. That makes total sense, right? As an adult, I know if I had a bill that would, I couldn't pay, that would be super stressful. I wouldn't be able to pay attention to anything else. My mind would be, you know, focused on that bill that I couldn't pay. Uh, I would be, you know, maybe ruminating about it. It would definitely ruin my day. It would change my mood. It would change my personality and engagement with others. I probably would have a shorter fuse. So that's what you're feeling like when you don't know the answer on the test. And how often is that happening? Oh, that happens all the time, Miss Candies. Okay, that may be why you're having these behavior issues in school. So just like talking to our kids about these things, making it no, making it just normal. And then when attacking the mental health professional, anytime you see significant changes in personality, significant changes in behaviors, significant changes in their academic abilities, you want to tag a mental health professional in. It is not a problem to contact the school counselor if your school is lucky enough to have one and say, hey, I have this concern. Can you check it out? That's what school counselors love to do, right? That's their job and they love to do it. Anytime they have cell phone, don't hesitate, don't pass go, you know, don't stop straight to a mental health professional. You are not trained to do this and you don't have to be trained to intervene on, a, on cell phone. That's what mental health professionals are for. So go to a mental health professional for that. Um, significant changes over, for a long period of time with their eating habits. Either not eating a lot or overeating, 
you just want to tag somebody in and say, hey, do an evaluation. Significant changes with sleeping habits, unable to fall asleep, unable to stay asleep, nightmares, especially if they can remember them and talk about them, um, fear of going to sleep or falling asleep, tagging a mental health professional. Anytime they're using any type of drugs or alcohol, it's better to intervene early than to wait and see if it's a problem. So, you know, as a parent, sometimes you say, well, maybe they're going through a phase, uh, especially in the climate that we're in today, it's best to go ahead and get some type of intervention as soon as you know or become aware that they are experimenting before it becomes an addiction. And then major changes in personality. Tagging a mental health professional in early and often is better than waiting. You know, it, it obviously there's a cost. I would say it doesn't cost you anything, but that's not true. Um, most people's insurance will cover it, um, but it's better to normalize getting help when you need it from people who are trained professionals than trying to say my child's going through a phase and coming in at the tail end. Sometimes, like, I, I try to do things on a scale. I say, you know, zero, you don't need me. Ten, you probably should have been here months ago. Anytime you pass five, you should probably check on in with a mental health professional. So the takeaway, anytime a child is having a mental health issue, it's going to disrupt what we call the three R's. And so the three R's are their responsibilities, their relationships, and their recreation. So if the child is not doing the things they used to do that they thought were fun, losing friends, dropping friends, or unable to make friends, um, poor school performance, not doing their home chores and tasks, hopefully they have chores, um, that's when you know that there is a problem. Now, whether or not the problem needs a major intervention or a minor intervention, find a mental health professional, get the assessment, they will give you a treatment plan that teaches, tells you exactly what your child needs. Some children, they just need a very, what I call a tune-up, two or three sessions in a school setting with the school counselor and they're fine, okay? And so that's the takeaways. One, get to know the school counselor. They're a great resource. Hopefully your school is lucky enough to have them. Two, normalize mental health and mental health treatment. And three, tag us in as soon as you notice a problem, okay? I'm so glad you were able to be with me today and I can't wait to see you next week. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.